Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. All right, welcome to the Spirit Katana, episode 11. I'm your host, the old man. I am Ruby. And I am Jadefire. And we are journeying through the Bible together. Uh, we've gone from Luke to Acts to Romans, and now we are beginning 1 Corinthians. And today we'll be going over the first eight chapters. All right, so let's get started. Chapter 1. We have Paul greeting the church, of course, and then well, gets, he starts getting into it. And it doesn't sound like he's, um, sounds like he has some concerns. <laughs> Seems like they're a little bit divided over some stuff. Um, like uh, how they talk about how one of you says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, and another, I follow Cephas, and still another, I follow Christ. Only. Only Christ. N- no other prophets. Well, mine I, just says I follow Christ. Mine clarifies that it's just Christ, no other prophets. And, like, that makes sense because I'm pretty sure anybody who follows prophets is still following Jesus Christ, just following prophets as well? It doesn't Whoever make a lot of prophets, sense. Whoever's following the prophets are going to hell. Because no. they're not. To, they're, we're getting a lot of teaching from prophets, like Paul. And we follow these teachings because they come through the prophet from God. Because prophets are just delivering God's message unless they're a false prophet. But the point here is that they are arguing over who they're following. Like, oh, I follow this person, so I'm right and better. And I'm following this person, so I'm actually in the right. That doesn't make any sense. Stupid! Stupid! Because we shouldn't be divided. Is Christ divided? No! Was Paul crucified for you? No. Were you baptized in the name of Paul? No. Wait, was Paul crucified for you? Oh, that's one part in the line questioning. Like, what does it mean, was Paul crucified? Well, Paul's the one writing, first of all. So obviously he hasn't been crucified because he's still alive. They're talking yeah, about... Yeah, but like, I know he's the one writing. And I know, like, he couldn't be crucified now and he can't protect the future. Wait, did God give him a vision? Did God give him a vision that he's going to be crucified? What? <laughs> They're... I'm confused. Like, what does it mean Paul's crucified? Well, while you're confused, please s- s- slow down and don't talk constantly and ask, like, 500 bazillion questions. <laughs> well, I'm giving my theory. Read it in context. He starts with talking about, My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this, one of you says I follow Paul, another I follow Apollos, another I follow Cephas, still another I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? No, is the answer. Yeah, Paul was never crucified. He's just pointing out that he's not the one to save them. We are all together yeah, under Christ. Yeah, like, what, 
Was Jesus crucified for you? Are you saved through Jesus? Yes. Was Paul? No. I see now. And he was grateful that he didn't baptize any of them except for a couple so that they couldn't say, well, we were baptized in the name of Paul, so we follow his way. Like, he's like, no, 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 no. You're, you're wrong. <laughs> I'm just the one doing the action that's not through me. You're not mine. <laughs> um, cool. So, what stood out to you throughout this chapter, this first chunk of the, the letter to the, the, to I, the first I just like to how, the Corinthians? I just like how the, it was things, um, they, they are giving thanks to the Lord. Where? Um, four through nine. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, I just like how they're giving thanks. And I just feel like we should give more thanks on Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. Who's giving thanks? Paul. So not they. Yeah, I mean, still. Yeah, we should only give thanks on Thanksgiving? We should always give thanks, but we should definitely give thanks on Thanksgiving. Because that's literally in its name. Okay. So if I make up a holiday and call it um, Bend Your Knee Day, you should at least bend your knee and pray on that day, but doesn't matter about any other day. Just because it's called Thanksgiving doesn't mean anything. It's a good reminder. To be able to give thanks, but we should always be thankful. It wasn't Thanksgiving that he wrote this letter, most likely, since the holiday didn't exist. Oh, I was about to say the holiday probably didn't even exist back no. then. Well, America didn't really. So we should always be thankful, correct? Always. What if you've stubbed your toe? I'll be thankful I stubbed my toe and not killed myself. I'll be thankful I stubbed my toe. And not scraped your knee. And not bang myself on the head. Hit myself on the head. Something like that. I'll be thankful I stubbed my toe instead of um scraping my knee. It depends how bad you stubbed your toe. If it's just like a little stub, it'd be fine. What if you stubbed your toe on your car? I don't have a car. If you did. Oh. Is the question. <laughs> um. I'd be thankful I didn't run over my toe with the car. Or you could just be <laughs> thankful you have a car. Yes! That that too! What else stood out to you, Jadefire? What else stood out to you in chapter one? Um, not, nothing much. Okay. How about you, Ruby? Um, I liked the section about the true power of the cross, um, where it talks about preaching the message of the cross, and, um... What verse is that? 18 is when it starts. Mm. And I like the first little sentence where it's like to preach the true message of the cross, like preaching the true message. Then I also had some of the sightings of the other thing or recitings of the other things. And then I thought it was interesting how um, jumping the verse. Reciting of the other things? What other things? Like, what are you talking about? Like, it for it is written. Oh. Like, I see. So the referring back to older passages. Gotcha. Yes. Um, and then I liked jumping to verse 24, but for those who have been chosen to follow him, both Jews and Greeks, that's what I mainly highlighted, um, it doesn't matter who chooses to follow him, anybody can. Ah, yes. 
Yeah, I also liked 18. Not necessarily, like, I don't know. You seem to like the wording of the true message or something, which might not even say the true message. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And I just like how, like, there's a few points in here where it just talks about how people find Jesus' teachings and us teaching about Christ as foolishness. Because it's telling us, basically, it's foolishness to a lot of people because it's telling us not to live for ourselves. And to many people, it's like, well, why would you try to live for yourself? Mm. To better yourself here. To make your situation better. But really, that's temporary and is the ultimate foolishness instead of relying on God where we have an eternity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world... So since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. And 25, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Because mm. it seems foolish to have that power and strength to remove yourself from being crucified and mm. to let yourself be crucified. Mm -hmm. But I would argue that there's a lot of strength of character to not remove yourself from there if you have the power to do so, and to actually allow that beating to happen, and that death to happen. Could you let that happen if you had the power to stop it? If somebody was beating you, would you try to grab their wrist and stop them? I would probably. Right. Because that seems what would be wise instead of just taking a beating, right? Yes. That would be human wisdom, of course. Yes. Whereas God commanded, and it was for our salvation, so that we could have eternity with him, right? Moving on to chapter 2. Um, to continue off the whole wisdom thing, um, verse 4, he says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And he does that a lot, God, God does. Like, he used Moses, who was not really keen on talking, um, and had some sinful situations in his life. And... Um, Shoot, I'm drawing a blank. But uh, he, he just often uses those that are weaker and things like that to show his power, not the power of man. Like David. David was the small youngest. Mm-hmm. Or, or quite young, if not the youngest. Um, of, well, he must have been the youngest because he was staying with the sheep and everything. He was at least the youngest of his family at the time. Right. And he was an old So he was small him. and young, and everybody's like, you're going to take on Goliath when everybody else is scared too? And then he was scared probably too, but he trusted God. Mm-hmm. What stands out to you, Jade Fire, in chapter two? Um, nothing really. Okay, go ahead, Ruby. Um, I I think it's this chapter anyway. Um, I didn't see exactly where it was, but I like how uh, at least somewhere within this realm, maybe it's chapter three, but like how he talk how he talks about um, he's like not trying to persuade him with his words. But like You mean what I just said? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I like that area. I mean, that's good. Yeah? I, that, you can agree with liking that area. That's great. What what were your thoughts regarding it? Um, I like how he's not trying to persuade them with good words like if you do this you'll have great joy, but he's not like trying to point out all the good things so that they just join Jesus basically. But like so that they have true faith he's like using god to show it to them without yep 
Yeah, he's using, he's telling the truth. He's not trying to persuade them or anything like that. He's just like, this is how it is. It's not all, you're not going to be overflowing with gold just because you're following Jesus or anything like that. Yes! It's not promising them kinds so of things. So in chapter 2. Some, some people, uh, some people even today try to suggest that you can have whatever you want if you follow Jesus, which is not quite how it works. You can have I want a new car right now! Well, you'll always have whatever you need. God is always going to provide for us. Yeah, that's what I meant. I don't think Whether I got a new car. Oh. Oh. I mean, I'm not on this drive, but I asked for a new car and I didn't get one. <laughs> he takes care of us. He gives us what we need. We think we want more and try to get more. And then we get the punishment that we need to help correct us. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Anything else in Chapter 2 for you guys? Or was that the big, big thing um, for you? Chapter 2 isn't that long. No, it's not. It's pretty short. It's only 16 verses. It's not as short as some chapters. Some are only like 13. You probably liked uh, the last verse because it was another quoting of scripture. And also verse 9 because it's also a quoting of scripture. Well, <laughs> actually this isn't the last verse. Also, I was going to say, yeah. There's no eye this- has seen, no ear has heard. No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Yep, and then who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Yeah, that... But we, which I like, is from Isaiah. I really like that part where it's like, who has known the mind of the Lord to instruct him? Like, there's some... I like all the old quoting, but I really like... Like, there's some that I really like and others that are like, yeah, I like this. Yeah, I think this one's a good one. It's It's good for us all to remember, even in human interactions, how often we want to instruct somebody who probably knows more about the situation than we do. Yep. And, we also, and so, like, the same goes with God. Like, who, who knows his mind to instruct Jesus and God? If we instructed him, then we'd not be saved, I'm pretty sure. Because <laughs> God had a plan. He had what had to happen. Did we know what had to happen to us? No. God did. So you're saying I would disown you just because you tried to tell me something I already knew and tried to instruct me on it? What? You said we're not saved if we're trying to instruct Jesus. Is that what you said? Well, I didn't yeah. mean it that way. Oh, okay. Um, I was kind of like, if, well, I guess if we had to instruct Jesus. and oh, If we had to, then he would not be somebody that we could rely on. Is that what you're trying to say? Basically, if we were in charge of him, we he probably wouldn't have died on the cross and we probably wouldn't have been saved from him um because like we wouldn't have known what would have to happen to us for us like our consequences we Mm. don't know our consequences but god does but we don't know the mind of who we're instructing so we wouldn't be saved basically all right chapter three um i like the first part of three a call to spiritual maturity i mean i don't entirely like the headline i didn't underline that part but i underlined um the main part of verse one um and i like the last part of as well where it's like we are infants in christ that kind of puts me back at the idea where if we even have the smallest bit of a faith, like as small as a mustard seed, like we can move mountains. Like it doesn't matter that we're infants in Christ. That leaves room for growing. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. I'm leading off with that. I think so. I don't know. You're kind of losing me a little bit. Well, it says we're infants. It doesn't say we are. He says the Corinthians are. That doesn't necessarily mean we are. Okay. 
some people are still infants in Christ, like older people, younger people. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yep. And that just leaves room for growing, I see. It doesn't mean, like, you're bad and you don't trust God that much. It just You just need extra care because you're an yeah. infant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I completely agree with that. <laughs> um, there's even warnings in other parts of the Bible. It's like, hey, make sure that the people that are leading aren't just new believers. Yeah, because they might not know everything, and they might get well, some... Well, none of us know everything. <laughs> they might not know as much, and they might get some things wrong here and there. Yeah. So. Yep. Let's see. I, let's see. What did I highlight? I highlighted verse 3. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Because they're just they're arguing over things that in the world. Like, there's no point in the quarrels and arguing. Arguing over stupid things. Mm-hmm. I argue over stupid things still, but, like, they are arguing over stupid things. And then I just like the reminder of verse 7. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So, like, it talks about how, like, he gave them the word, so he kind of planted. Somebody else came and gave more instruction and encouragement, so that was the watering. But it's God that makes things grow. Yes. Like, we can water things, and we can plant them. But we can't make them grow. He could literally, like, scorch them with the sun so they die. Exactly. And he also designed it so that they would need water to grow. He normally tries to bring life, so, I mean, he's not going to intentionally scorch things with the sun all the time and stuff like that. (laughs) But also, at the beginning of verse 2, when it says, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, does that mean, like, is this Paul or Jesus talking? I'm trying to figure out. This is Paul's letter. I thought so. Does that mean, like, he had to tell them the scripture and help them learn it? He was giving them easier things to understand and to build up their faith and walk with God. Yes. Ah. They weren't ready for the heavier, harder things. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. I see. I see. Like, going out into towns and preaching. (laughs) Right. Things like that. Because they could get stoned and then they wouldn't believe in Jesus that much. I see, yes. I like that part. That's where a lot of my highlights are. I also highlighted 12 through 17. 12 If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what he has built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Oh, almost like people are the church. Yep, he dwells in us, right? But also, it's just like the idea of building. Like, if you are a Christian and you are saved, you're going to be saved no matter what. But if you're still living very worldly, infinite, and constantly in your infancy, Mm -hmm. then you're going to not have a whole lot that you've built very well. You've been spending this time building with wood and straw and hay or whatever, and that's all going to get burned up, and you're going to have much left over. You're going to be still saved. But you didn't do. He's not obeying you. You haven't really that. helped build the kingdom very well. Whereas if you're building with gold, you're actually teaching others about Christ, building them up, and helping them also spread the word about, you know, spread the good news and everything. That's building with gold and stronger materials that will not burn up. It brings more glory to God. 
I was confused one time because in church, um, we got to make a craft where it was hide God's word in your heart. I remember being so confused about that because I'm like, but we read about all these great prophets and stuff, and they don't hide God's word. They tell it to people. But, like, it means, like, remember God's word and then also build the gold, not just the straw, and, like, yep. teach other people. And then here's another good verse for us to remember. Do not res- do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools. So that you... Fools in quotation marks, so not actual fools. Yes. Fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. So again, we're talking about worldly stuff being foolishness. Um, as it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world of life, or, or the world, or life, or death, or the present, or the future. All are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Chapter 4. Oh, you weren't done with... Sorry. Back to three. Just kidding. (laughs) I was like, I'm not done! Um, um, I like the verse, going to verse 16, where it's, um, don't you realize that together you have become God's inner sanctuary? I like that because, like, that kind of goes to where God dwells in us, like, we're God's inner sanctuary. I... Just like the wording of that, mm. I guess. Because I, I also like that. did read that verse, and we did talk about it. Is that why we did that, that earlier in saying how? Cool! I'm well, just reading off you, your phone, so I didn't I have to speak. I am glad that you have read your Bible. I am a little disappointed that you're not paying any attention to what we're talking about, even when you're contributing to the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just kind of like looking where you're reading from, but I don't look at the verses, so... I, well, I did mention the verses. I said, I said yeah, but then I was ca- I through seventeen. I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care anymore. Can we go to chapter four now? Yes, we okay. can. We can. All right, chapter four. What stood out to you in this chapter, Ruby? Yeah, yeah, can I go first? Okay. Um, I like. Well, first I have a question. When one of the answer is no. But it's not a yes or no question. I don't think. I don't anyone. care. Still no. Go ahead and ask your question. So what does apostolic mean? Apostolic? Where is it? Um, That's just a heading. Right? Oh, the nature of true apostleship is what mine says. Oh! It's just being a minute, like, the apostle's ministry. You can read it that way. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. That okay. makes sense. All right, cool. Okay, um, like how it talks about how we are, well, maybe not we, how leaders of factions are servants to the anointed one. Where? Um, verse one. So then you must perceive us not as leader of factions, but as servants of the anointed one, those who have been entrusted with God's ministries. Okay, I'm, I guess it's the kind of like the prophets. Like, they're not like um these great leaders, but they're kind of like, but they're like servants to God. So mine doesn't say anything about leadership. Mine just says, this then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ 
and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. There's still some leadership qualities there, so you don't necessarily have to be, they're not leaders, but they are servants, and you should consider them that. So I would say that the, I mean, maybe we're not supposed to regard them as leaders, but I would probably disagree. <laughs> not great leaders that are more powerful than God or anything. But right, God, right. Good leaders that we should be following because they're through God, God they're God's servants, so like, mm-hmm. yeah. I see what you mean. Yep. So, yeah. I, I understand. The, the statement that you should not regard us as leaders of factions, I guess. So that's a little different. You, they aren't. That makes some sense. Um, Although it's in italics. So I wonder why. Not yours. Is it in? Italics. It's all slanted. Okay, why do people do that? Well, there's different reasons to do that. But in yours, it's weird because those are added words then. Be very careful about added words. Okay. Like, I agree that we shouldn't regard them as leaders of factions, for sure. But I just don't, don't know why it's there. Must be, I'm guessing there's a reason. It might be even down here, but it's just a little weird. So, okay. Because he talks about that earlier, about not being factions, right? We shouldn't be divided. So oh, don't yeah, think yeah, of them yeah. being leading different groups of people. Anyway, go ahead. Continue. Okay. Um, I, lo- I also like going to verse... Verse... Five! Um, I like kind of where it's... Where I... Well... It's a very long verse, but I like, like, the second half of it. Um, where it's like, um, he will bring all his hidden in darkness to light and unveil every secret motive of everyone's heart. Like, he knows their secret motives, and he can, like, show that. Like, he knows what they're thinking or what they are planning. And he, mm-hmm. like, they can't trick him. He, nope. he knows everything there is nothing god does not know um of everyone's heart then when well and then these are added words when the whole truth is known i didn't underline that part actually each will receive praises from god like i'm confused why is god praising us what do you think praising means in this I'm starting to maybe get a hand on it, but, like, <laughs> saying it out loud, probably. But, um, does it mean, like, when you or Mama are proud of us uh, for doing something good, does it mean he's going to be, like, praises as in proud of us for something? He will tell you what you did right and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. That's a praise. We're yep. getting praises from God! Woo! Alright, um, do you have anything highlighted or something you want to discuss in this chapter, Jadefire? No. Do you have any highlights in the first part? Because, well... My highlights are 9 through 13. You want to share those? Because I've got highlights for, like, the rest of the chapter. Okay. Um, so, for it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like those condemned to die in the arena, we have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so, or you are strong. You are honored, we are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of this world, right up to this moment. And I just, especially, specifically, it's the part where it talks about, well, it's the beginning of verse 13. 
when we are slandered, we answer kindly. Does anybody know what slander is? No. Um, I think it kind of means when you're, like, tricked. No, or so- no. Slander means when somebody says something bad about you that isn't true. That's slander. So, um... Huh. I was going to say something else. Uh, so it's basically rumors. Kind of, yep. Yes! And the response to that is? Normally. Oh, We answer to kindly. Mm-hmm. That is what we're called to do. We are called to answer kindly to those who slander us. I was going to say, normally people would be upset. It's actually a big part of the trial that went on about, um, what was it, Depp and Amber Heard. That was about slander. Which one slandered? Oh, they both argued that the other slandered about them. I'm pretty sure we know which one slandered, right? <laughs> well, the the judge uh, ruled that most of what was claimed to be slander against Depp was slander, and some of what was claimed to be slander about Heard was slander on Depp's part and his fault, even though it was somebody else under his employ or contacts or whatever that did it. That's all. But anyway, I'm just saying, like, they both said mean things about each other that may or may not have been true, and if it's not true, it's slander, and that's what that was all about. Because you can, in a court of law, when it's a big deal, and you can prove that there's been damages from it, like you've lost money out of it or whatever, you can sue people and get money for it. So, that's all. So slander is a thing, and it can even be a crime. (laughs) Alright, the rest of chapter four. Okay! I'd like the part you were talking about too, but since you, but since you covered all of that, I will not go through those highlights because they are like my favorite highlights. But starting at the next, um, the next, um, section. Section, yes. I like a father's warning, and the reason. The main reason I highlighted that is to make a note, and it was like, it's almost like God's warning, because he's the father we're talking about, right? Yeah. Um, mine says Paul's appeal and warning, so why don't we just go with what the verse says? Cool. Those are added words, I think. I like it leading up to verse 17. I like this little section. Okay. So from 14 to 17, I'm going to read it. Okay. I'm not writing this to embarrass you or shame you. See, the reason I like... (laughs) You know, maybe I won't read the whole thing too straight. But I like how he's like, he's not trying to embarrass them or make them feel bad. He's just like trying to correct them. And warn them, which is what he says right after that. Um, But to correct you as the children... No, mine says warn. But to correct you as the children I love. Well, it says it later, too. For although you could have countless babysitters, does... Go ahead. Well, does that mean that it's kind of like, um, they could have countless prophets who come and preach to them and nurse them with milk, like it was talked about earlier. Guardians. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ. Even if you had, like, other people that were to take care of you. Babysitters. Sure. That's what mine says. I know. It's a very strange term to use. Anyway, if you had guardians, like, because, you know, people are put under adults to be, like, they become the guardians of them without actually necessarily being parents sometimes. So, like, if you and mom died, which would be the worst thing almost in the world... 
Wait, in the world? Yes, probably. Um, the worst thing in the world. And you would be put into somebody else's responsibility. Like, like, my grandma. Right, she would and then she would become your guardian. guardian. Correct. But and if she adopted you, then she could become technically your mother as well. Like, legally. If she adopted. Weird. But, you don't, but like, guardianship is, is sort of different, is all. But anyway, yeah, it just says even if you had 10,000 guardians or babysitters, which I think is um, a little bit less of a term than guardian, but that's whatever. Um, you guardian more You do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Because he is their, fa- their gospel-ish like, father. He's their father and the one that like is teaching them and helping them grow and all that stuff, just as I do with you children. Yes! Literally. Yes! <laughs> Being your father. Um... For although you could have countless guardians in Christ telling you what you're doing wrong, you don't have many fathers who correct you in love. You read that part. But I am a true father, for I became your father when I gave you the best one right. Yeah, you already read this part, so yeah, I just Yep, I covered it for Sorry. you. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me, because that's what many children do, right? Yes. They learn to imitate their parents. Many children do. Anyway, uh, any other highlights for this chapter? Or anything you want to add? Um, I'm good. No. Alright, chapter five. I actually do have something in this. Okay. Um, um, so, um, it's like, um, oh, a part, one of the verses I'm like, it's like, um, oldies with new bread, um, I... Um, and new yeast with old bread, I think. And also, one of his things, um, he said we are going to be bread without yeast. Mm-hmm. Like, how can bread be bread without yeast? It'd be very flat. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's a way to make bread. There's different kinds of bread, uh-huh. and you can have bread without yeast. What? <laughs> yes. What? And they and they use bread and yeast a lot of times because yeast, even a little bit, goes through the entire batch. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a warning, like, hey, <gasps> oh, kind of like your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole thing? But I, I think I know what this. Just a second. Go ahead. Um. Kind of like how one germ can cover the whole body after some... What? I think germs multiply. multiply. Yeah. Yeah. Ending up covering the whole pot body. Well, getting through, oh, yeah, sure. I yeah. see. By itself. Something like that. I, mean, I don't know God enough about germs. It, I can't I can't explain how exactly how germs work, so... I learned everything about germs. Well, it's probably not true. Well, I've seen the a lot of The most I know about germs is the song... The weird, from Weird Al. <laughs> Instead of just making a joke. Anyway. Um, but, you, no. Look at, though. Verse 6. Look at verse 6. It says, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast, little yeast leavens the whole bread, batch of dough? It, mine says works through the whole batch Okay, well, it says leavens in mine, okay? Oh, I see. Well, isn't that and, NIV? Uh, get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are that's unleavened bread we talk they talk about unleavened bread a lot it's bread without yeast because yeast is what leavens it (laughs) what (laughs) 
I want to try some bread without yeast. I think you have, actually. All right, what did you want to say, Ruby? Thank you. <gasps> okay. Um. Oh, so the reason that it goes to the yeast thing and the boasting thing is because it talks about how, like, uh, um, uh, how exactly does it? They're having gross sexual immorality, and men is having sex with his stepmother. Um, men are having sex with their stepmothers, and, like, even if just one man and, I guess, woman did that, um, it'd be just bad because it infects everybody, and then everybody starts doing it. Does that make sense? A man is sleeping with his father's wife. That doesn't mean a stepmother. Mine says stepmother, I though. Know, I know it does. That does not mean that necessarily, though. But there's definitely laws in the Old Testament about not doing that. Yep. And I don't think they're married. Definitely. So that's a big no-no. So yeah, anyway, he's, yeah, he's talking about that, but the back to the yeast thing. <laughs> but I was, but I was talking about it. Sort of, maybe. Anyway. I was saying what leading up to the yeast thing. It led up to it, yes. Um... It talks about, therefore let us keep the festival not with old bread, leavened with malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So it was using yeast as an example of sin. Sin creeps into everything and gets infects the whole church and stuff if you allow it to be there, right? You need to get that out. Exactly what I said. That yep. one guy had sinned and infected everybody. Did you have anything else or can I go through my highlights? No, nine and ten. I wrote you that you I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral, or the greedy and swindlers, or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. <laughs> By not associating with the immoral, you would just have to leave. Because it's impossible otherwise, right? That is funny. But what he's saying is I that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister in Christ, not just, like, your brother saying he's your brother, but in Christ, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler, do not eat with such people. So it's those that claim to be Christians but are doing these things. That is where you're not supposed to associate, because if people think that they're Christians and they're doing these things, that is the leaven that ruins the whole batch. Because they could be like... Because you're going to mislead everybody else. Because it's like, oh, they believe in Jesus. They're going to be saved. And they're doing this and getting away with it. So we can do it, right? Right? That makes sense. And he, he finishes it up with, What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside, but expel the wicked person from among you. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Makes sense, right? Yes, he's not judging so you're more danger to be a person who claims to be following christ and is sinning than like the pharisees oh yes than to be perfect a person who's not even saved like that that person why tell them that they can't do the things that they're doing they don't have a reason not to because they don't believe in christ so your first goal is to help them understand who christ is and what he's done because then maybe they'll stop then all on can, their own. And then after that, we can start talking about, you know, specific things. <laughs> but not right away, because that would just be like, well, whatever, forgive this if I have to give up my entire life to go do this. Which is, again, what he was getting at with the whole being infants, right? 
We start with the basics, and then we start working on the other issues. All right. Are you? Do you have anything else you want to say, or did I cover your highlights as well with that? We're Chapter good. six. Ooh, I have something like at the beginning. Okay. Just a let me figure out exactly where. Do you have anything? It's all in verse one. Okay. Um. Furthermore, how dare you take a fellow believer to court? Um. Um, it is wrong to drag him before the unrighteous to settle a legal dispute. Isn't it better to take him before God's holy believers to settle the matter? I just, like, get that. Like, I see what they mean by, like, don't take them before stupid, mindless human beings. Take him before the The people. wisdom of the world. Yes! Don't take him... Don't take him to the wisdom of the world, but to the wisdom of God. Well, sort of the wisdom of God, because, like, it should be working through them, like the prophets and Mm -hmm. stuff, but, you know. Well, it's another good example is the whole slander thing, right? We talked about the real world thing where the celebrities are suing each other over slander. But what did it say? We answer kindly. Yes, yes. Because we're doing things not of the way of the world, which means... Don't be dragging them to court over just because they said words that hurt your feelings or something, you know? I don't know if this is necessarily pointing out that. It's a legal dispute. I know. It's just saying, like, there's thi- like our first reaction shouldn't be to drag people to court. Especially if they don't believe in God. If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? Specifically, I think this one section is interesting because of verse 3. Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? I don't know what that means exactly about judging angels. It's just interesting. I I do find the little part with how we're going to judge angels. Yep. I only have angels highlighted, but I think I know Yeah, like, how can you judge angels? Because we'll go up there and be like, you know, they were useless to me. They are awful. I don't think that's what that means. Oh, I wanted to send all of them wherever the bad places. It's just, it's very interesting because a lot of people put angels above people. Like in our heads, we like, oh, angels are above us, right? Not just physically, but just above us. <laughs> I get it. But God has given us a different role and... There are things in the Bible like this that suggest that we are higher than the Superior? No. Superior is a strong term. Yeah, but we're just higher Higher. than them in some regard. I don't know. It's just interesting is all. I don't really know what it means. (laughs) I I really don't understand all the dynamics of angels and God. I know that they (laughs) exist. I know that they're servants of God, and I know that they at least have a choice to follow God or not, because we have Lucifer and the fallen angels, who chose not to follow God. Yeah, the angels have a choice, too. Yeah. Not just people. Angels. Yep. They're people with wings. Because they also did things that supposedly, there's some argument about it, but there is in Genesis, leading up to um, Noah's Ark. It talks about how the, was it the sons of God or something like that? Laid with human women, things like that, and which created the Nephilim. Nephilim? What's a Nephilim? That's another good question. Um, but basically, 
it suggests that angels were sleeping with humans. What? Some would say that maybe that's not what it means by those words, but everywhere else that we see those words, it usually means angels. So, there's a good chance that's what was going on, along with all the other sin going on before the flood. And the Nephilim are, based off of what we can try to gather from the few places in the Bible it mentions Nephilim, are the ones that brought in giants, like Goliath. Wow. Some weird stuff there. It's all. It's all. <laughs> I wouldn't... My personal theory, and this is just me, I don't know, and I don't have all the facts, but my personal theory is that the people that came from that kind of union, because it talks about how they were, in that chapter, it talks about how they were, like, the ones that are, like, like glorified and stuff like that, that I think that's where a lot of, like, strong, gigantic, powerful people came from that ended up becoming worshipped as gods, like Hercules and things like that. So Hercules is real? Possibly. The idea, like, wherever they got that from probably came from somebody, like, from a Nephilim or something, is my my theory. Wow. But that's just me. So, anyway, um, moving on. Verse 7, the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Just let yourself be cheated and wronged. Turn the other cheek, right? Yes. <laughs> Do you have any highlights? Me? Either of you? Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I already said I don't. I like verse 7 too, but you kind of covered that part. <laughs> yeah, it's just, let's not um, sue each other and stuff. Um, have some grace. Win people over through godly wisdom instead of worldly wisdom. Because worldly wisdom would be like, hey, punish them. I like in verse 19 where it talks about the body of Christ. Mm, I highlighted that one too. Um... Uh, don't you know that your bodies belong to Christ at his as his body parts? Um, I find that interesting because like we are all the body of Christ, but I never thought about it really that way. How we are the body parts of Christ? Oh yeah. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. But yeah, we are definitely the body. Like, we're all different parts of the body. Not all of us are eyes, not all of us are arms or fingers or... That was not a joke about your fingers, sorry. Um, elbows, whatever. We all have our different roles. Alright, chapter 7. How about anything on chapter 7, Jade Fire? You bet. Um, I like how he's mainly talking about marriage. Oh, so you get much more lively about marriage. You like marriage? What? Genuine question. Do you like the idea of marriage? Who doesn't? There's plenty of people that don't. Wait, what? Plenty of people don't want to get married. Huh? And plenty of kids, generally boy children, don't think about it that much. Now, me... As a child, I was actually very, very interested in the whole process. I wanted a family ever since I was a little kid. I may be the same way. And that's perfectly fine with me. That's cool. I'm just... There's plenty. It's stereotypical for people to assume that girls are the ones dreaming about their wedding day at a younger age than boys are. Hmm. Makes sense, but... Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Um... Uh, partway through, um... He is, like, 
Um, if you marry someone who doesn't believe in God, stay married unless the pers- unless that person wants to divorce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, and, uh, um, it also said that, um, the husband is not his own, but belongs to the wife. And vice versa. Yeah, but still, um, I thought it was, um, the wife belonged to the husband. Both? Says both. Yeah, but, but, um, the husband is... The head? Yeah. That's still true. Uh, most of this is about the body, and a lot of this is about, actually, about sex, um, in that regard, uh, in that conversation. But, like, the idea is, we are designed to have sex with one another. (laughs) Men and women, that is a part of marriage. We are to become one flesh. When you have sexual relationships, you are... Becoming one flesh in a lot of ways, and emotionally you become much more connected, and you become like one person. So, neither one belongs to the other, or I mean, each one belongs to each other, because you're both part of the same body, just like your face and your hand are all part of your body. They all belong to each other, right? Now, that does not mean that your head doesn't have a higher authority than your hand, because what does, does the hand move on its own, or does your brain tell it to do what it needs to do? The brain. Correct. There is still roles within that, right? Mm-hmm. We are the bride of Christ, so we are his body, but he is still in charge, correct? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. That's pretty much the only question. Hey! It's I a have. good, it's a very good question. Um, yeah. Okay. How about you? Um. There's a lot in here, but... I only highlight a couple things personally, but yeah, there's all kinds of interesting information here. Did you want to go over the couple highlights you read? I can. Uh, circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping Cod's commands is what counts. That has nothing to do with marriage. I mean, very little anyway. I was just, I find the, I just like the comment because it's like everybody was arguing about circumcision and uncircumcision in Acts. Fifteen. I'm studying that. Right, chapter and Paul. This. And Paul. Talked about it, right? He was part of that argument. He's like, hey, hey, hey. And he's repeating it here. It doesn't mean anything. We just need to follow God's commands. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it doesn't matter if you're circumcised or you're not. You don't need to. Um, it's like, he said that they believe that they will be saved through the name of their Lord Jesus Christ just as they will, like, as in the Gentiles. I also really liked later on in 30 and 31. Uh, just some reminders of how to live that like we're not part of this world because we're not actually we're in the world and we have to live like we're in the world but we're not of the world we're not part of it we're not supposed to live by its wisdom um but it says those who mourn as if they did not those who are happy as if they were not those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep because it's not those who use the things of this world as if not engrossed in them for this world, in its present form, is passing away. This is how we should live. I, I skipped that part, I guess. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not, so forth and so on. So we should live as we don't have these things, because they aren't ours to keep. We should live as God has made us live, almost like he has selected certain people to get married, certain people not to get married, I think. That's kind of how that goes. I mean, I think there's still, like, a choice in there, but, like... There's always, that's not what that means at all. It just means that we should live as we're not, if those things aren't ours to keep. You should be yourself. No. 
as if those things aren't ours to keep. We should be gods. We should belong to God. We should find our identity in Christ, not in ourselves. And we shouldn't be so overcome with our desire for a wife or things or anything like that. I thought it kind of meant like if you were meant not to have a wife, then don't go on about it and just act. It says those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not have those... No, those who mourn as if they did not mourn. Those who are happy as if they were not happy. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Because it isn't theirs to keep. Oh. Okay? Oh, I see. So don't live with this worldly mindset. Alright, what do you got? Me? I'll go over my favorite highlights. Um, and not all of them. Well, I... Mainly highlighted the last part, starting at 17. Um, I'll go over the, the rest last, of that. That's not the last part. Anyway, go ahead. Can we, oh, no, it's not. Yeah. I'll go over the part I like. Go ahead. Um, verse 17. May all believers continue to live the wonderful lives God has called them to live. Hmm. I just... Like that. I can think it goes with your thing where it's like... Yeah, live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them. Yes! That's what my version translated says. Okay, then... So if you were called while you were married, stay in that position. (laughs) If you were called while you were not married, don't be seeking to get married necessarily. These are general rules. (laughs) Things can... God has other plans for people, but... Um, and little part... Last part-ish of verse 18... Circums... No. It would be futile to try to undo the circumcision. And if you were called while you yet uncircumcised, there is no need to be circumcised. Yep. Like Which is where members followed up on. <laughs> that goes back to his arguments almost in Acts 15. Where yep. It's like, they were the Gentiles were called while they were uncircumcised. So leave it. Like, they're fine. Chill. All right, anything else? And 21, um, where, were you a slave when you heard the call to follow Jesus? Don't let that concern you. Even if you can gain your freedom, make the most of the opportunity. Yep. I like that. Yeah, don't let it trouble you if you are a slave and, like, still live as a believer. But if you can gain your freedom in that situation, do so. Whereas a lot of the situations, like, live in those places that he's called you, but... And that one, because you shouldn't be slave to other people. You should be slave to God. Yes, that's a, that was my main highlight. All right, uh, chapter eight. Any highlights or information or anything you want to discuss in here, Jade Fire? So I accidentally read the top just now. Okay. And now that's all the only thing I can think about. Okay. Well, do you remember anything in the chapter or what it talks about? I can tell you what it talks about just by because I read the top, but... What does the top say? Food sacrificed to idols. Okay, well, what about food sacrificed to idols? What do you think it says about food being sacrificed to idols? What should we do about it? Stop it. Nope. This is actually one of my favorite chapters in 1 Corinthians, because it's just like the Romans chapter that's my favorite. 14, I think it was, about causing people to stumble. Weak and strong Christians. Matters of the conscience. Do you remember any of that? Romans 14 talks about how this person thinks we should eat, or not eat these things, and this person eats everything. This person puts more importance on this day, and this person's like, well, what? I remember that. This is the same idea. Hmm? 
My title is hmm. Love is Greater Than Knowledge. Yes, that's a big part of this. Yep. To those who think they know something, or do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves, God is known by God. Now about food sacrifice idols. We know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up, while love builds up. And it talks about how we can eat food that sacrificed idols because it doesn't mean anything. But if you think it means something, and it would hurt your conscience because you're like, oh, we shouldn't be eating this because it's been sacrificed to idols. That's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Then you shouldn't eat it because you believe that. And if I'm with somebody who believes that, then I shouldn't be eating that in front of that person because it will cause them to stumble. And my knowledge is then not building them up. It is tearing them down. So knowledge puffs us up because we're like, well, we don't, we can do whatever we want, which to an extent, an extent is true. But love is sacrificial, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, they, this would cause them to harm. This would cause them to possibly sin. I will not eat meat. I will never eat meat again if it's going to cause people to sin. That's what this, that's what he ends, he gets to that in this uh, chapter. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause them to fall. That's what he says at the end. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just a really good chapter about that kind of stuff again, and how we shouldn't let our knowledge of what we know we can do hurt others. But, um, in Acts 15, I remember this, um, so in the, it's, um, Acts 15, 30, or no, Acts 15, 29, um, now you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols it, and from blood and blah, blah, blah. writing to the Gentiles the rules of what they should be doing. To abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols, which would be, like, food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for some people, then they need to do that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it, otherwise they feel that they're, because they feel like it is important or whatever. And if they think it is important that it's been sacrificed to idols, but they were, they're were they only eating it just because they're really hungry or it looks tasty, and so they're just going to like not care, that's still sin. Whereas it's like, well, it doesn't, this food doesn't mean anything. Yeah, because if it's sacrificed to idols, so Idols what? are nothing, right. Exactly. That's being like, you accidentally drop some food in the floor and you still eat it. What is something you guys can take away from these eight chapters? To not use yeast and bread. <laughs> that is incorrect. That's not what that says. That's what it's saying. You have to expel okay, the well, nope, No more jokes. Mm. We got the joke. Let's move on. Um, To expel the immoral brother. brother. Do you have somebody you need to expel? No. Okay, so that's not a very practical thing for you to work on right now. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I do. Like, if I see someone, I might make, like, in join friends making a friend with but it turns out he swears a lot and all that sort of stuff so expel the immoral brother i don't think that's actually something for you to work on i guess i actually have already been doing good at it so i don't know any takeaways how our knowledge here on earth is just worldly and stupid Because sometimes I think I can know it all or something, but God knows, like, everything. I'm just dumb compared to him. (laughs) In a way. In a way. I think, for me, it is to answer kindly to those that slander, to love my enemies, that kind of thing. Um, 
to continue that. I know that was from before, but uh, it can be a continuation. And, um, shoot. Oh, and just, we should be living for God in all circumstances. And to judge those, like, we shouldn't be judging those really outside of the church. We should just be reaching out to them. <laughs> to help save them. And then we can worry about the individual things. And remember, we have a planks in our own eye, so we need to work on taking those out, too. But, I mean, we can, Same. I think we, we can still, lives. like, help them out, but, like, try ourselves. Well, it's so, like... There's there's certainly some wisdom and discretion that needs to be used in there. Like, for example, don't tell somebody not to shoot somebody when you are known and are still practicing uh, murder because you've killed, you know, ten people already and are planning on doing another twelve or something. They're not going to listen to you at that point. You may know it's wrong, but you don't stop, so... Yes. Kind of like what um one of our brothers did recently. Like, he said that someone else was... Telling people where their hiding spot was, or telling one of the brothers where my sister bro- where my sister's hiding spot was, so that my brother found him instantly, and then he just went and did the same thing. Ah, we've got a lot of brothers. There were three different brothers in that situation. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna close this up. Okay. Dear God, thank you so much for this time for us to uh, discuss your word and to study it and to learn more about you. Uh, thank you for the questions that are asked and um, hopefully answered somewhat well in our, our time together. Um, there's always so much more for us to understand and know about you and your ways, and we'll never completely arrive until eternity. Um, and we're so looking forward to it and so hopeful for it. Um, please uh, guide us in our week um, as we... Um, continue to study your word and as we prepare for holiday stuff um, and uh, just help us to remember the lessons we've learned today and to apply them to our lives and the ones we've learned over the last few weeks in jesus name amen all right thank you for listening everybody and uh, next time we will be going through the next eight chapters of first corinthians so that'll be nine through sixteen which includes the love chapter <laughs> all right, see ya see ya Bye!